Okay, let's get started. Uh, let's have a word of prayer and uh, move into what uh, we're going to talk about today. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for missions, that you're a missionary God. And I pray that uh, we as individuals are missionary people, and we let that missionary zeal spread to uh, the congregations that we're a part of. So thank you now for this time. We praise you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, basically, everything I'm going to talk about is on that sheet, so uh, you can take notes if you want, but just know it's going to be coming at you um, as, a, as a part of what I'm going to share. How, how many pastors do we have in the room? Okay, don't be shy, guys. Don't be embarrassed that you're a pastor. So we've, we've, got, we've got four, how many lead pastors? Put your hand up. Okay, we've got two. Uh, we've got some assistants. Uh, what are the rest of you? I'm a pastor's husband. You're a pastor's husband. There you go. Uh, how many are involved in the missions team at your church? Great. Um, look, let me just say this before we get into our material. Down on the missions table, immediately as you exit the double doors down here, we have the missions uh, table. Uh, get one of these books, Missionary God, Missionary Bible. Uh, get This Gospel is another book that's down there. They will both mess you up for the rest of your life. And I, I'm serious. You read this gospel and this book, you will never be the same again. Uh, they will revolutionary, re revolutionize your life. Okay, let's talk about the four-legged stool of missions in the local church. And wh what I want to do is help you develop a DNA in your congregation for missions that your church eats, thinks, drinks, sleeps, missions. Uh, we used to do major productions. We did a Christmas production. We did an Easter production. Some of you have seen those productions, and they were, they were superb. They were as good as going downtown and paying 65 bucks for a ticket. And one night, one of the kids running through trips on, a, on something falls against one of our light posts that was supposed to be England 1840, takes the light post down and busts the thing all up. And the light post was $150 to replace. And so I was in there with duct tape and bailing wire, and I was fixing the light. And one of our guys came walking through and said, Pastor Dave, we have enough money to fix that light. Go get a new light. And I said, no, it's $150. And he said, what's, you know, we're sharing with thousands of people, and we're taking offerings and things, and it's not that big a deal. I said, that $150 will support a missionary. And he said, is everything you think about missions? I said, yep. <laughs> it's all about missions. I used to tell the congregation here, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Dave Gross. I'm the founding pastor of this church. I'm now on staff, transitioned the church to my son, and my wife and I are the missions directors for the network, for the state. Um, is missions everything I think about? Yeah. I, I used to tell the congregation here, I'm here to pick your pocket. I'm here to pick your pocket because you've heard about Jesus. You've got all Jesus you need. There are people that have never heard about Jesus. And so what I'm here to do is to get the money out of your pocket so one more missionary can go overseas. Um, and so I, we want to develop a DNA that when people see a way to save $150, they see it because it's about missions. It's about getting one more missionary in, into uh, the unreached people groups of our world. And, and so you have to purpose to make the people of God that he's gifted you with missions-minded. Uh, and today I'm not going to give you the biblical verses. I, how many have read missions verses? How many know Matthew 28, 18 to 20 from heart? Yeah. Um, and so we're not going to do that. What I want to do is I want to talk about the stool of missions in your uh, DNA of your church. If you had a stool... Let me just describe it like this. The top, the part that you sit on, is prayer and intercession. Push prayer for missionaries. Push prayer as that which um, it, it energizes. It, it, it's the priority. We had a group of five people 
that every night, Wednesday night, when I was doing the main Bible study for the church down here in the big sanctuary, I was doing a group like you, but I had five people that sat in the corner, and all they did the whole night was pray for missions. You said, wouldn't it have been better if they'd have been over in your Bible study? <laughs> Not for me. What I needed was them over there praying for every one of our missionaries. They got to the place that they knew every one of our missionaries by name, they interceded for them. They cried out for them. Get a missions team, or get a missions prayer team in your church. Now, you say the whole church ought to be. Yeah, but there's just something about when you have five people that walk around, and, and, and all they talk about, when they, we prayed for so-and-so this week. We prayed for this missionary. We, and they start doing this in your foyer, in your fellowship times. That makes a big impact. The, the top of the stool of missions is prayer. Got to have a prayer team. Got to have those people that are praying. One of those men no longer can come to church because his, his wife has um, uh, uh, dementia and he's with her all the time. He used to come to our Tuesday morning prayer time. He was here for our Wednesday night prayer team. He was here for our Friday night prayer team. <laughs> Dr. David can't come anymore, but what's he do? He calls up on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock and we put him on the speakerphone. <laughs> You've got to have those. Okay, the four legs of the stool of missions, they all start with a C, and what we're going to do is talk about these. The first one is care, communications, conventions, and cross-cultural experiences. And so the leg number one, missions communication team, uh, you need a team that their entire responsibility is communicating with the missionaries that you support. And get a leader. And how do we get people involved in the church? How do we give people in our church things to do? Well, you get a missions uh, communication team leader. And if you have a real smart small church, if, if you have eight people in your church, this will work great. And so you assign. You're going to be the communication team member. You're going to be the care team member. You're going to be the cross-cultural team member. You're going to be the convention team member. And all of a sudden, you've got 50% of your congregation involved in missions. Okay? Um, and the communication team is to develop a team. So if I appoint you, Scott Young, as the communication team member, leader, then you have to get somebody to work on your team. So if you've got eight people in your church and you get Dale on your team as a communication team member, you got your whole church involved in it. Uh, Dale, you were talking about in the last session, I think it was you, that we're, as we get older, it's a little more difficult to lug an 80-pound bag of concrete up a hill. This is the kind of stuff that you can get involved in as you age. This team could meet quarterly more often as needed, and they brainstorm for ways to communicate with the missionaries that you support in your local church. And at this meeting, the team would also you'd make assignments for future uh, and check on incoming communications. So it becomes this communication tool with your missionaries. Uh, it's to be two-directional. One direction would speak for the local church to our missionaries, and you keep them involved in what's happening back home. Uh, today, it is so easy to do these kinds of things because of email. I mean, we used to do this, and you sent a letter, and it took two weeks to get there, and then it, it took them two months to get an opportunity to respond. It took them two weeks to send it back. I mean, instantly now, you can communicate with people any place around the world. My, my wife and I uh, have been, uh, my wife teaches at our seminaries. She, she has her doctorate and she teaches at our seminaries in Singapore and Mongolia and, and uh, the Philippines and all these different places. And when I've gone with her, you know, but when I don't go with her, it's, it's nice now because she was gone one time for eight weeks and it was like, oh my goodness. But you know what? All you got to do is find out what time is a good time for you to call and, and you can internet you can FaceTime you can do a lot of those different things but just letting the missionaries know of what's going on back home that helps them the other direction of communication would be to keep the church informed about what's happening in the lives of your missionaries and you know at, at my church I recommended I wanted the communication team to give me a report every other week that either they could give like a two-minute 
presentation or they could give it to me and I could give the presentation as the pastor of the church to the congregation. And, and guys, those of you who receive the tithes and offerings every Sunday morning, let me just do a little practical teaching here. I'm a teacher at SEU, sorry. I gotta do a little teaching. When you receive the tithes and offerings, you say, get ready right now, we're gonna pay the tithe and we're gonna give in the offering. You say, what's the big deal? You pay a tithe, a tithe is that which is due. You pay what is due and you give an offering. So change your wording when you, when you are the one that's responsible. We're getting ready to pay the tithe and we're getting ready to receive the offering. And before I did that, I would, I would at least every other week say, your offering this morning, your tithe this morning is going to be involved in. And I would give a, a report, a blessing of what we were getting ready to do. You bought this many Light for the Lost Bibles this week with the funds that came into this church, and because of that, there's going to be seven people that are going to read that Light for the Lost Bible, and they're going to come to Jesus. Give a report, and all of a sudden people are going, I did that with what I gave last week? A lot of people just put money in, they have no idea where that money goes. And so let the communication, you're sending communications to the missionaries, but also let there be communications that are coming back uh, to you. I've got a couple things there that you can use, uh, the 360 monthly video report. You can go to uh, the missions uh, page on the internet. They have all kinds of little videos, one, two, three minute videos that you can show uh, of you know, a missionary working with the gypsies, a missionary working with. And, and so show those to the, your congregation. What are you doing? You're developing a DNA but you've got these two guys, you've got Scott, who's the team leader of communications, you've got Dale that's working on the team, and then they're gathering together this information, they're sending the information out, and, and so th this is an all the time. It's not like, well, we do three missions trips a year. No, <laughs> this is an all the time thing, that you keep that going. Um, from time to time, have a Skype session prearranged, so that at offering time, you know, how can you do, you just do it. You, you say, this is when the offering is going to be. You prearrange it with the missionary, and, and then you Skype with them. You face whatever your format is to go back and forth, and you let the, at, okay, it's offering time. You push the button. They come on. It's what we did this morning with the uh, NRC, the group that's over there, the kids. We did that this morning. You can do that in Mongolia. You can do it around the world. And so uh, develop that, that communication team. Any, any questions on that? Real quick. We, because of the pandemic, we used to have missionaries in once a month. Because of the pandemic, we couldn't. So we started to do that Skype. And some of them had to get up at 4 in the morning. But I'll tell you what, they loved it. Because we would sing worship songs with them. They would share. We would pray with them. And they just get a feel for home. Okay, a report was just given from one of our uh, one of the people in our session that they have been doing that during the pandemic, and it was a great way to do that. We're we're being recorded, and so I just want to make sure that everybody, when they listen to this, uh, they get to hear it. Okay, and when I give a question, uh, would you be responsible when somebody gives a question in the class? Would you be responsible to make sure I I give what the question was for the recording? Okay, good. Okay, leg number two is the missions care team. Uh, the leader would, this leader would develop uh, a team to assist them in planning and caring for the missionaries that, are, uh, that our church supports. And this team could meet quarterly more often as needed to brainstorm for ways to make our missionaries feel loved and cared for. At this meeting, the team would uh, check on follow-up, follow-through at the actualization of your steps. And, uh, you know, here I've given a few suggestions. Annual birthdays, uh, I, everybody has an annual birthday. Birthday emails. <laughs> uh, but birthdays, uh, wedding anniversaries. If you're going to, here's a rule. If you're going to send a missionary anything, snail mail or packaging, you have to be willing to finance that thing. Because if you put a 55 cent stamp on there and it costs them $5.50 when they get it, you were not a blessing. 
You cared for them in the opposite way that you wanted to care for them. And so do not send anything that is not going to be received and they benefit from it. We've had people send missionaries packages and, and when it got there, what was in it cost far less than the toll and the tax getting it through all the things that it had to go through. We, you know, we never want the missionaries to come out on the short end of anything we do. Uh, monthly prayer emails to remind them that the church is praying for them. When missionaries visit the church, money gift cards and notes with money are a great idea. Do not have this great big thing that's, that's made out of bronze or gold or something that when they come to the church, you're, you're going to care for them by giving them this thing how are they going to get that to Singapore? And so don't give them that kind of stuff. They, they would love it a whole lot more if you give them gift cards, money that their kids can play, you know, what, whatever they play. They can get music on their, on their phones. Do those kinds of things that are going to help them. Uh, if you hear that a missionary's laptop, you know, we had a missionary at our house, uh, and his laptop was dying. Well, we found out about that. So we went and we bought a laptop and blessed them with a laptop. That didn't give them some great big box that they had to carry extra. What it did was they took the old laptop, threw the thing away, and now they had a new laptop. Do those kinds of things. You say, how can we afford to do that? Well, you know, here's the way it works. Lisa, you're now the, you're the care team leader. And, and you've gotten uh, Joseph behind you, he's on your team, and you guys are all the time working to raise funds, to get gift cards, to get things that you can bless the missionaries with. Last night we had a missionary stay at our house, and uh, I knew that they weren't going to get anything, so I said to Kay, write, write, you know, write a $100 check, give it to them because we're going to cover their expenses to get here. We provided them with a house to stay in last night so they didn't have to run a hotel. Their coming didn't cost them anything. But you as a team leader, you're responsible to make that happen. So again, this isn't a three times a year deal. This is an all the time. And the more people you get on your team, if you say, well, you know, if we're buying laptops, that's a, that's a thousand bucks, and how do we do this? And, that? and so what you're doing is you're getting Daniel to help you, and you're getting Emily to help you, and you're getting Tom on your team, and you're all the time looking for ways to raise those funds to make that type of thing happen. And all of a sudden, missions is getting in ground or ground into our congregation. Um, anytime a team from the States is, uh, is going to visit a missionary, we load their suitcases with what the missionary has requested. You know, all, all, those, all those things. Somebody mentioned peanut butter. All those things. But you talk to the missionary ahead of time. The care team finds out what needs to be a part of that trip. We're going to talk about the trip in a minute. But that whole team does that whole thing, getting that ready so that when you go... And I tell the teams when I take teams, I own half of your suitcase, one of your suitcases. <laughs> and they'll look at me like, well, what am I going to do? I, look, lady, get used to wearing a pair of pants twice. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be kind. Somebody said, twice? <laughs> they need to wear them about four or five times. <laughs> um, and... You know, again, the, the care team finds out what would be a blessing to, to the missionaries. And, and, and peanut butter. Some places, toilet paper. I have taken more toilet paper around the world. Sometimes it's money. You say, money? I had one church that wanted to send $30,000 to this missionary. Well, you're only allowed to take 10. So what I did was I'd walk over to a person and, and I'd say, See this little thing? Put it underneath your pants. You know, it's got a strap on it. Put it underneath your pants. And when you get to the customs, you're not carrying anything because you're $9,999, so you don't, have, you don't have to declare it. And when we got there, the missionary is like, and I'm handing him these packages, and he's going, <laughs> Okay. Um, let's go to the next one. Leg three is the cross-cultural 
experienced team, the leader, this leader would assist or would develop a team to assist them in researching and planning missions trips for the field um, of people from within your congregation. I'll tell you what, here is a saying that the first trip I led from this church years ago, everybody came back saying, you'll never know till you go. You'll never know till you go. When those people go, they come back and they are better witnesses than they have ever been before. When those people come back, they give to missions like they've never given before. And if you can get somebody on a, on a short-term missions trip, you've got a missionary forever. Uh, we talked in the last session about how, how do you get trips lined up. I, you know, the pastor of the local church is probably the best to make that kind of thing happen. But if if I was the, you know, if I'm Tammy and I'm the, I'm the person that's in charge of this, what I'm going to do is, I, anytime I hear that there's a missionary going to be around, I'm, I'm going to sort of, you know, if the pastor's there and you're there, I, I'm going to be next to him. I'm going to be listening to the conversation because Daniel Klein. A missionary to Nicaragua, he was here and I was standing uh, down behind the sound booth in, in this very building and he was talking about how they had a need to build this, this building and I said, oh you do? When do you want us to come? He went, you would come? Yeah, we would come. And, and so all of a sudden this, this thing, or if you don't have access and you're not getting input from missionaries that want to do those kinds of projects, you can go to agwm.org. You, know, you can find places, the Builders International, all of these different things. But you start by prayer. You're all the time praying about where where is our next trip? Where do you want us to go next? What do you want us to do next? So you're all the time praying about upcoming trips. You investigate, you plan, you begin organizing. Uh, and again, cross-cultural experiences Missions trips are ministry to people who are different from the majority of the people in your congregation. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a missions trip here in a few weeks, Pastor Stephen. If you'll get a promo ready, I'm going to bring a busload of people down. We're going to go door to door and let people know that, that you guys are da down there on the hilltop. And, and we find ways to do those things. Um, my recommendation is every other year you have a trip overseas. On the alternate years you have a trip to the states. We've done Phoenix, Arizona, Indian Reservation. We've done uh, North Dakota, Indian Reservation. We've done along the Ohio River. We went down and we took I forget how much food we took down there, and we fed 400 people Christmas. We took them packages of Christmas presents for their kids. We took, I took a dozen red roses for every lady that came through the line. And I, and I had ladies, you know, they're hungry, they've got a Christmas present for their kids and stuff, but they were standing there holding their roses. This one lady said, I've never had roses. This, this lady was like 70 years old. She'd never had anybody give her roses before. And, and so uh, every other year you do those trips. One overseas, the next year at home. As your church grows, you can do more than that. You can do two, three trips a year because you've got enough people that can, that can staff your trips as you go overseas. And again, I gave you some things. You can do uh, prisons, local missions, orphanages, Indian reservations, dream centers, inner city ministries. You can combine with Convoy of Hope. Yeah, for in-state or for within the states, domestic missions trips, maps can actually help. So I'm, I'm the maps missionary over Indiana and Ohio, so I can help organize all of that rather than the church having to contact each missionary individually. Good. What's your name? Daniel Robertson. Daniel Robertson. Connect with you. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so write that down. Daniel Robins, Robertson. Robert or Robin? Robertson. Robertson. Um, he's the contact that you can use. And when you make contacts like this, it, you, you know, you're good to go. There's another lady back there once you wants to talk to you. Um, like Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> and 
the overseas missions trips would include construction trips, ministry and evangelism trips. When you're when you're doing overseas trips, I just, I'll just be flat out. Do Assemblies of God trips. You don't know when you're doing a trip that's not Assembly of God. You're, you don't know what the follow-up is going to be. You don't know how long, how, how the investment long-term is going to be in that situation. When you invest in an Assembly of God missionary, they, they have been screened over and over and over and over again. And let me just say this, pastors. Pastors that say, well, are our missionaries doing anything on the field? Get over it. They're doing it. If they're not doing it, their field rep is checking them out, and somebody's checking them out, and we'll get rid of them if they're not doing their job. You just have a little faith in the process and, and get involved in AG missions trips. Uh, most of, you know, Many of our AG missionaries can provide you with an excellent time of ministry. And again, be careful taking trips that are not AG approved. If you do AG trips, get the insurance. We missed a flight in France. Half of our team was up there, and they got on the plane. We were standing back here. It cost us $14,000 in tickets, and we didn't have the insurance. Buy the insurance. Wow. Or if you have $14,000 lying around, you can give it to me, and I'll give it to missions. <laughs> um, and if you, here's another thing. If you use... You know, so-and-so in your congregation, your, your lead board member, his third cousin is doing something, and we need to get behind him because he's my third cousin. Okay, you're going to have somebody that then they're going to come to you with one of their relatives that's their second cousin, and they want you involved in that. And pretty soon, you can't do it all. Focus, narrow it down, just plain old use Assembly of God stuff. It, it works every time. I've never had a bad experience, and I've led a lot of teams. I've, I've been to the Congo. I've been to you know, uh, Magnitogorsk, Russia. Worst place in the world to go. That's where they, Russia sent their dissidents. It was where their steel mills were that they made the iron that they used for their military machine. 95% of the children starting first grade had lung disease because their furnaces belched this black stuff out. Every morning you got up, went out. If you had a car, you swept the stuff off your car so you could see to go. It was like it snowed every week or every night, but it wasn't snow. Um, the factors in selecting overseas destinations would include uh, knowledge and experience of missionaries, being worked with, travel time, ease of getting to the field, cost of the trip. But know this, if God calls you someplace and it's going to cost you a fortune, you got to do it. If, if you're going to build a building, you got to do it. Um, and I'd recommend, if you're doing your first trip, you might want to do a South American trip where you get off the plane at noon and you can start working at 1 o'clock. And you got to know your people. you got to learn how to work with, do, do you do a two-week thing? If, if, and when I take teams, I work the people into the ground so that it, at the end of every night, they're not nonchalanting around downtown. I work them to, into the ground so that it's like we take them back, we feed them, and they all go, <gasps> and it, get Katrina uh, Devalier's material from the last session as to how to do short-term trips. They're fantastic. Let's go to number leg number four, missions convention. Excuse me. Real quick before we move on to conventions, um, what we did two years ago when we did a trip, we actually brought in other churches because a lot of churches have bivocational pastors and they don't have the time, energy, etc. So if you're taking a team of five or six, to Peru, then you can take 12 or 15 and bring in other people because that's more people for your team. That's more churches that get the experience and exposed to missions. Okay, the comment was just made for the tape that uh, if your church is not big enough to fill a team, go together with two or three other churches to get the, the team members that you want. It not only 
provides you with the team. It provides a camaraderie with other churches, other ministries. People get to know each other. I trust that you come back to Synergy year after year and you get to know people. You get to see people and you get to say, hey, what's been going on? This has been what's happening. You get to give a report. Okay, leg number four is the missions convention. I, I recommend that you do like three weeks in the fall or you could do a spring or fall or you can do spring and fall missions emphasis. If you do like a three week, you have missionaries two weekends and then the third weekend or the first weekend, the pastor of the church needs to preach. He needs to plant the vision. And again, this is the DNA for the local congregation. And if it's coming from the pastor's heart, congregation is going to catch it. Um, responsibilities of the leader of this team uh, assists and works with the pastor in planning and carrying out of an annual mission convention. There's just something about doing a missions convention in your local congregation that everybody is involved in it. It's just not the groups that you've assigned these to be a part of your team. And the first thing that this team would do is they would evaluate their previous, what they just finished their convention. If they don't have one, they don't do this. But if you've had a missions convention, first thing you ought to do within days or within that first month after your missions convention, your missions convention team would get together and say, what did we do well? What didn't work? You record that so for the next convention a year from now, you know how to fix it up. You know how to make it better every time. And this team would meet approximately every three months. Uh, year out and then as you get closer the team would meet more often uh, together with the pastor the team should develop a theme uh, for the annual convention I recommend using the Assemblies of God material I, I got this little thing on right here it says all for Jesus that's the theme for 2021 in the Assemblies of God all for Jesus and I love it because many of their themes are, are multi-dimensional it depends on where you put the comma on the deal all for Jesus means Every person on the face of the planet, 172 times the scripture records all nations, all peoples, every nation, tribe, and tongue, and 172 times, and it's so that all can be for Jesus. All can come to know Jesus, but it also means all that we do, it's for Jesus. And it is a great theme. The theme for last year, was uh, for 2020, was compelled. And, uh, you know, I... I preach around at different churches people ask me to come do their missions faith promises for you pastors that are here this is a great opportunity to have somebody else take your missions faith promises and if it flops it was his fault not your fault <laughs> but you will take a better offering than a guest coming in um, and, and so the compelled I start that message out everybody's compelled I'm compelled what are you compelled about are you compelled to play golf at every golf course in Central Ohio? We had a guy that his mission in life was to play every golf course in Central Ohio. Got a guy that he's compelled that every kid in the foster care program of Franklin County gets to go to a week at Heartland Conference Retreat Center where they're going to be loved on. And every place he goes, he talks about this thing. He is compelled to get kids to camp. He's compelled to love on these kids. And so he wears Royal Family Kids shirt. And every conversation you have with him, he's going to say, hey, you praying for camp? Hey, you going to come work at camp? If you're a guy, you're a target. They, they have trouble getting enough men counselors. And he's all the time saying, I think every man in this room ought to pray about it. And, and so compelled. Use these themes. And then they have all the banners, they have all the posters, they have all the faith promises, they have all the things that you will need to do a, a, a good missions convention. Make it so, and this team, the missions convention team, you're working on getting these things together, you're working on getting the materials so that the weeks that you do missions, you set all this stuff up, you decorate the church. We've got like 60 flags from around the world. They've got you know the poles they're they're full size they dig them you dig them out of the tunnel you set them up people walk in and it is a, it's a um, uh, a sensory explosion in people's minds yeah. we do a th this is not a part of this but we do a go ye into all the world offering sunday where we put out 160 buckets we have the flags 
from all the nations in these buckets and, and people of the congregation bring a piece of money for every bucket. So some people bring a penny and they put a dollar sixty in. Some people come and they put a nickel in, a quarter. You know, my, my wife and I this last year, we each put a dollar in each of the buckets. We have, we've, in the past, we've had people put $10 in each of the 160 buckets. But we have people that have left the church. We have people that have moved to other states that every time we go, do go ye into all the world, they come back just to be a part of that service. And then we messed up Springfield, Missouri because we started sending offerings designated for Chad and designated for this place and designated for that place and they didn't even have it. We said put it into an account until you can send it to somebody that's going to be a missionary there. Or there's a radio station or a television station that's beaming the gospel into that land. And, and so the, the missions uh, convention team, they get all of this stuff ready. Uh, anybody have a choir? We're not going to even talk about that then. Uh, if, you, if you need to know a list of missionaries that are home itinerating, always feel free to call, to call us at the network office, which is really us at home, because we don't, we, we don't have an office. We're part-time. Uh, with the passing of Pastor Jim Palmer and his leadership, the missions, this has been a growing experience for us. And so we're part-time, working full-time, and... Uh, and so you can call. I put Kay's phone number down there. If you call the 3960700, just ask for missions. You're going to get Kay's phone number. You're going to get Kay's phone or my phone, which is right here. So if you call that number, it'll ring right here. Uh, and, and again, Ohio AG missionaries should be your first priority. And they come from our churches. They were pastors in our churches. Why wouldn't we support them? Um, In conjunction with the lead pastor, schedule the missionaries to preach the two or three Sundays of the convention. Uh, and again, I mentioned the pastor needs to preach one of those. Plan various events for the convention. Options might include meet the missionary or dessert with the missionary. I used to do this. I'd schedule the two weekends that were a part of the missions convention. And I would have, uh, you know, five, six, eight homes and then we would assign missionaries and the people in the congregation that week would sign up. I want to go hear this missionary at this home on Friday night and the next Saturday night I want to go hear this missionary at that home over there. And so we'd, we would do it so that there would be 10 to 15 people gathered with a missionary in all these different homes spread all over the community. See how the DNA is being built? You keep doing this kind of stuff and pretty soon people have a heart for missions. They, they have met with missionary Don Cartledge in a living room. They have heard his heart. They've gotten to talk with him. They've found out the guy has a sense of humor. And all of a sudden, you know, we have people that if I mention the name Don Cartledge, I have 15 people in the congregation today that would say, oh yeah, my, my kids call him Uncle Don. And, and all of a sudden, it's no longer just this missionary over there. It's this heart... It's this personal relationship. So do dessert with a missionary. It, uh, you invite the number of missionaries that you want. And uh, I recommend that you give every missionary unit an offering of approximately $200 for, for each meet the missionary. So if they come and they do Friday and Saturday night, give them $400. Bucks. We say, well, that's a lot of money. No, that's not a lot of money. People get saved because of this. That's not a lot of money. And all of you as teams, I used to charge every person that went on a missions trip, I used to charge them a thousand bucks building materials. So if the trip was $1,400, I charged them $2,400. $1,000 for that. People in our churches need to see that that they're responsible for the ministry. Our Royal Ranger commanders, they, I've tried to reimburse them in the past, and they say, no, this is my ministry. I pay for my ministry. So, uh, you know, $400 will be able to provide them with a hotel and gas money. So they're not making anything off that. Uh, do a taste of the world. We, we do this Sunday morning. 
either a missionary or the pastor preaches about missions, people come out of the sanctuary and there's food all over your foyer. So we line the downstairs here. We put tables all the way around it and this is Indian food and this is uh, uh, whatever. And we have enough different foods that people go around by the time you leave, you'll be going, whoa, man, that was spicy. What are you doing? You're building a DNA. You want them to remember. Do a, do a missions banquet. Do booths and displays. Do flags. Do skits. See, see how if you get a mission skit and you've got people in your, in your church that, that they're drama queens. How many know a drama queen? I got a granddaughter that's a drama queen. If I assign her to do a mission skit, she's 11 years old. She would put together a mission skit and you put her up there before the missionary. You have an artist in your church and they love, to, they love to paint and draw? Stick them on the platform while the missionary's preaching and let them draw away. And at the end, you've got this thing and you can put it, you can put it someplace, hide it in a coat room eventually, but you can, you can do something like that that people are going to remember that service. Auction it off. And, and part of the purpose of these four different the four different legs on this stool is involvement. You get people involved in the ministry of the church. Um, and I just I've put some other ways that you can do things. Have your kids' church support a missionary family. Doesn't have to be a lot of money. If if you have thirty kids in your in your kids' church, you you can you can get twenty five bucks a month. Just remind them they'll pick their parents' pocket, and you get your thirty, you get your twenty-five, you get your twenty-five bucks a month to support that missionary in your kids' church. You put the missionary's picture on the wall. That's not one of our missionaries, in case you. You put the missionary's picture on the wall, and every week when the kids come to kids' church, what do you do as the leader? You say, "Hey, th this is our sixty-second window to remember missions. Let's all pray for." Jenilee Godwin. She's struggling with her physical need. Let's pray for Jenilee and Jeremy right now. Come on, kids, let's pray. And if your kids aren't praying loud, I, I, I bet if I said let's all pray, I would have to encourage you to pray louder because I wouldn't like how loud you were praying. I'd say, lift the volume. Let the demons hear you pray. And so I would, I would teach the kids... And all of a sudden, every week, your kids are getting what? A DNA of missions built into their lives. Everything I do is missions. Everything you do is missions. You wouldn't be here if you weren't involved in the heart of missions. And so you put that picture on the wall in your kid's church, and every week they pray over it. What, you're building that DNA into your kids so that they remember our church prayed for missionaries, our church had missionaries. Talk about how many missionaries you have. You know, we, We've got 75 missionaries here. We support them with $175 a month, and then we do all kinds of other missions involved. But we've got these people that we support with this. Let me just mess you up, pastors. Listen to this. Every year, you need to raise the giving on your missionaries five bucks. And, and we started at twenty-five dollars. We're at one hundred and seventy-five now. Missionaries tell me that if every church did this, they would never again have a financial problem. You say, but five dollars a month. We support three missionaries. That's fifteen dollars more a month. Get a second job, pastor. We have churches that don't support missionaries at all from this network. I think we ought to take the Assemblies of God off their church. Well, they're not on their church sign anymore anyway. But we ought to take, the, we ought to take their, their credential card away. If their church doesn't give the missions, that means they don't personally give the missions. Forgive me for getting mad. Jesus got mad, so I'm just trying to learn from Jesus. Okay? Pray about that, pastors. You say, well, that would mean we would have to grow to keep up with that. Duh! <laughs> well, duh!
38 years ago, I did a radio advertisement. I don't do radio. That, uh, to me, that was the dumbest thing. I felt the Lord said, get a radio advertisement. It's 1500 bucks, God. He said, so I went, I paid 1500 bucks. I got this radio advertisement. And a family came to our church because of that stupid radio advertisement that cost 1500 bucks. They have been with us now 38 years. He worked at Battelle. He made good money. He tithed. He was one of my missionaries that went on missions trips with me. So sometimes you just do that little bit of thing, that little bit of investment. Find, find ways. And so giving the missionaries a $5 increase every year, it's no big deal. But if your church and your church and your church and your church and every one of our churches does that, you, you see how all of a sudden, hey, this can make a, a big impact? So all I'm asking is five bucks. And Monica, I've already got Tim all fired up, so he's... <laughs> uh, so... Uh, whenever you have a missionary on a Sunday morning, have them spend a few minutes in your kids' church. You say, well, you know, my, my adults are the important ones. What do you mean? If they're adults sitting in your church, they're probably not going to go be a missionary. But those kids sitting in that kids' church, they're the ones that are going to go be that missionary. There you go. Um after each annual mission trip, have the team share about their experience and about the ministry of the missionary that they worked with. We, we came home from a trip uh, to Chile, and the, the missionary, Don Cartlidge, he came out and he said, uh, the cook wants to share with your team. I said, great. He brings her out, and she starts, and he has to interpret for her, and she was trained as a terrorist to hate North Americans. She said, I grew up with that training, that hatred. She said, until you came here, I hated North Americans. And I'm going, she was the cook? <laughs> <laughs> She's the cook? And she said, because I've watched you. I realize you took off your week of work. I realize that you gave up your vacation. I realize that, she said, I have watched you guys work so hard. And again, I work people into the ground. At the end of the 10 days I have them, they're begging for mercy. I tell them, I own you. She said, I've watched you. She said, I was at the church you were in. Sunday morning, I preach. Every time I go on a missions trip, I make my, uh, my team, they, they're the prayer team, and when I invite people forward, there's North Americans that are praying over them, laying their hands on them. She said, I, I've watched you. I, I see the money you gave. I see your commitment to my people. And she said, God healed me of my hatred of you. And the missionary turns and says, that doesn't happen if you send them the offering. That can only happen if you're on the ground. You put boots on the ground. Um, provide a missions house. Uh, what do you have to do? You have a house. You fill it with everything you need except clothes. You put a car in the driveway... Oh, my son just killed a chicken. Uh, <laughs> Dinner tonight. Um, and so the missionary, they get off the plane with their suitcases and they've got everything they need. And your church doesn't have to be big to do this. We started this when we ran 125 people. You say, well, you're in Dublin. <laughs> that doesn't matter. We don't have any millionaires that, get, that you know, finance the bill. It's everybody in our congregation saying, that's what, what, that's what our offering last week did? I'm going to give to that. 
and and so you, we were running 125 we rented an apartment furnished it provided a car and the itinerating missionary's name was Greg Mundus for those of you that didn't snicker or laugh Greg Mundus is our national missions director that runs Assemblies of God World Missions and um, that, was, that was our first missionary how many think that was a good investment? Yeah. Greg Mundus right now is asking you to pray for Buddhists and Hindus. Buddhists and Hindus. That's the prayer. That's the cry of his heart. He's, he, he asks you to start doing this. He will start crying. I want to encourage you. Hopefully you all have a prayer list every day. The certain things you pray for. I pray for Pastor John Wooten. I pray for Pastor Dan Holbrook, and I pray for Pastor Chris Gross. They're my spiritual authorities. Every day I pray that at their hands, this is, this is Acts chapter 5, at their hands signs and wonders will occur to the extent that multitudes come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray that prayer. Greg Mundus is asking me to add Buddhists and Hindus to that list. We are making an impact into the Muslim world. We've finally learned a little bit about how to evangelize Muslims. We're not doing a good job with Buddhists and Hindus. And so I would like to ask you, don't tell me you're going to do it. You let the Lord tell you to do it. That, that'll work better than me telling you. But consider praying for Buddhists and Hindus every day. Consider praying for Buddhists and Hindus every day. Uh, okay, do we have 10 minutes left? Or? Okay. Um, thoughts, comments? Yeah. Okay, the question is thoughts concerning receiving missions faith promises from the local church. Uh, I let people know that next month, let's say that April is going to be our missions month. I'll let people know beginning in March, missions month is coming in April. We're going to be receiving faith promises. Would you begin to pray right now about missions, faith promises, what the Lord's going to have you do during that time? And so you set the stage up till that time. Uh, and you give handouts. There, there's printed handouts from the AG. What is a missions faith promise? How do you fill out a missions faith promise? All those things. Then the morning I received the missions faith promise, at the very beginning of the serve, uh, my message, I had them hand out missions faith promises to everybody. And I say, we've been praying about missions faith promises all, this whole time. Would you take your missions faith promise and fill it out right now? You say, at the beginning of your sermon, before you preach? Yeah. So I, and I, I did this at Middleburg Heights. I did this at uh, Pastor Dave Welly's church as I'm preaching. And so I give them the form before I preach. Then I preach. Then I say, at the end, I say, take that missions faith promise card that you filled out, and I want you to scratch out that figure. <laughs> because God has been dealing with you, and he's been talking you up, Stephen. He's been putting faith within your heart. And, and so what I do is, you've got a month in advance, you, you, you've been giving them all kinds of handouts, then when you do it, and, and I'm not saying to do that same thing, but you find that, for me, works. And I explain to people, we in America, we try to talk people down. God is not people. God is the opposite. And so anything that we do with God, we always do it opposite. And so God has been talking you up as I have been preaching to you this morning. That there are three billion people on the face of the planet that have never heard the name of Jesus. The people of Yemen, 28 million of them. There's a thousand Christians in the nation of Yemen. If you took the Ohio Stadium down here, where the Buckeyes play, you filled it with people, and then you put 7,000 more people on the, on the floor of the stadium, and then you put four Christians in the place. That's the ratio we're looking at. People in that stadium would never talk to one of those Christians because they'd never find them. 
And the, if, if those four were trying to find them, they would never get to them all because I'm going to talk to you today and I'm going to talk to you tomorrow and, you, and I'll never get to all of you. What is God saying to you about that number you wrote down? Does he want you to increase it? Would you pray about that? That answer your question? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. How do we how do we get more younger people to go on mission trips? The question. Um, what, what I would do is I if if you have a youth leader, if you have a youth pastor, they they probably know some people that would be interested in missions, or they feel called to ministry, or they they're just go getters and they're after the Lord. I I would uh, I would find people in the church that would be willing to subsidize. Would you give five hundred bucks to help a kid get on a trip? Would you get 500? And you go around and you find enough people that you get them to finance those people and you send them. They'll come back and never be the same. But I would make them invest some of their own money. So they, they don't get a free ride. I'm going on vacation. You know, and, and when I take people and, and they ask me, are, are we going to get a, take a day off? I'm not paying for your vacation. If you want to fly down here and, and have a day, feel free. My wife says, you're so hard. I'll try to get successful in my next life. Can <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend uh, also do some local domestic missions trips? You know, that'll help build up the momentum and get people, get the heart. You know, I don't think it's either or. Yeah, let's do both. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you answered the question about like starting big promises. What about when people... It drops off the radar midway through the year. Okay, what, what about if we see our missions giving dropping off in the middle of the year? We, we made our missions faith promises January, it's now June, July, and it seems like our missions has taken a dip. As a, as a leader, as a pastor, you just get up and say, I want to remind you, if, if, if your uh, communication team whoever that was here, if your communication team, if they're doing their job, they keep missions in front of people, and then as a pastor, I get up and I'll say, hey, how many made missions faith promises back in January? Just want to remind you, God bless you for, for being having the heart of God and doing that. And, and so we just, we continuously remind people, motivate people, and you know, when you, when you show one of those videos for three minutes and it's like at the end of it, you're crying saying, I want to be a missionary. Yeah. You, you find those ways to do that and you just keep it before your people. One thing we do is once a month, we, in the bulletin, we have a bar chart showing this is what was pledged per month, this is what was given this month. And some months will be higher, like at the end of the year, it's always higher. In the summer, it's always lower. But they, that way, they, okay. they can't say they don't. You, you have to remind your congregation. For our congregation, that won't work because none of them read. We don't even do a bulletin anymore. Right. And so you have to use your communication technique and style to, to work for you. Okay? Because the younger generation, those that we're trying to get to go, they're not reading a bulletin. Eighty percent of our people don't give in an offering. They don't pay a tithe. Here, it's all online, and which means when you have COVID, the giving just says this, and then the giving goes like that. It goes up, and the reason is all of a sudden they've gotten all these PPP checks, and they got a tithe on them. And, and so the churches, I'm, I'm an executive presbyter in addition to being the network missions director, and so I, I know that the churches that did not have online giving, they, they did this and they were hurting bad. Those that had online giving just went, and they went up. So other questions about? I just want, I want to say, you know, you talked about having the missionary come into the children's ministries. We always did a monthly emphasis church and you got to realize that this is the foundation things you build into them now are going to lay a foundation for their lives to come 
And uh, I always had a week of the month set aside where we did nothing but missions. And I want to let you know that there are amazing VGMC materials that are absolutely free. But please start when they're in preschool, you know, and start building missions heart into them because it will follow them throughout their lives. Buddy Barrel goes a long way. <laughs> Um, I, I took my my son, the pastor of this church, I took him to, uh, I forget what city in Chile, because I did so many different trips in Chile, and I took him when he was 13 years old. Well, guess what? He has a heart for missions. Missions will continue at Radiant Life Church because I built it into him. Uh, on that trip, I was, I was with the pastor of this church that we were building his church, and there was this mountain, and we were standing uh, in his living room up on this mountainside looking down at the church building being built. And he said, oh, my, there's your son, and there's Aaron, our, our construction leader, and his son, and then there's that guy and his son. What were we doing? We were building DNA. Yep. Yep. I, I, I took Christopher on a trip. He had a broken arm. What good is that on a construction trip? Well, let me tell you what happened. The Lord told him, he'd had that, that cast on two weeks. The Lord told him, cut the cast off. I said, you sure, dude? Yep, God told me, cut the cast off. i got to be able to swing a hammer. I got my ten snips. <laughs> Next day, he started pounding nails, and he lasted about five minutes. That noon... And I believe God healed him on that missions trip to do the work. He was the only other guy. It was real windy up on that mountain. He was the only other guy on our team that would get on the roof with me. And I needed him. So, okay, Lord bless you. Thanks for uh, being here. Uh, again, missions at ohioministry.net. You can get us anytime through email, uh, call, call the church here.